This is Dan Brown. Uh, I'm here again with another A Lens A Day, conversations about information architecture. And today it is my great pleasure to talk to my old friend, the thoughtful Andrew Hinton. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Very happy to be here. Um, so, uh, I mean, I can't even remember when we met, but it's probably been an, almost 20 years, right? Probably, yeah, because the first summit I went to, well, it, first summit I went to was um, uh, Austin. The second, the second one. It wasn't Boston. Uh, okay. it was one after two thousand, maybe. Yeah, the first one was in two thousand in Boston. Okay, so so, so two thousand one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, second one was San Francisco. I couldn't get make it. That's right. And then okay. uh, two thousand two was uh, uh, Baltimore. So uh, yeah, okay, maybe that was it. We are, yeah, I mean, but we made. I think we were on the the uh, the, the listserv. Yeah, the listserv. The, the good old our old buddy at uh, anymore. <laughs> I know our old buddy yeah. at Asus put that together. Wow. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's so IA's been around, right? Two decades at least. Yeah. yeah. What What would you say is still the thing that people find the most difficult? to get about IA if they're not a practicing information architect what is like the yeah the hardest part to get yeah i the way i the way i talk about this sometimes with like workshops or with mentorship and whatever is uh it's it's invisible except for all the thing the visible things that it affects right so, uh, and it goes all the way back to Lou and Peter saying the pain with no name, you know? So I, I think that's, that's like the nature of the problems that it's trying to solve don't change and, and human nature doesn't change much. And so I think we're, we're probably always going to have some of those things. It's kind of like you go to any uh, uh, software company or whatever, and you, and it, or, or a company that has software products and you talk to like product managers and stuff and, and, or data architecture to them is like, okay, somebody does that, I'm sure. But like what the thing I'm looking at in my product is the thing, you know, it's just, it's similar uh, across the board. But um, yeah, but anyway, but I think, uh, but I think all that invisible stuff is getting more, it's getting more pressing. It, it's, it's because the complexity of how uh, digital has now been interwoven into the fabric of everything. It, uh, so many of the problems that come up that uh, both in, just, in terms of just society, but also in, in product work, um, you, you scratch the surface and it's the framework underneath that, that was never aligned on, right? So, so I think it's becoming more and more, whether they call it information architecture or not, the work that needs to be done is, is getting more attention, at least in my experience lately. What, what do you see as like... Uh... What are you observing in products that's that is symptomatic of a poorly uh, aligned framework? Like if you were to if you were to kind of look at a product or maybe look at something that someone on your team is working on, yeah. Uh, and you, what is it that you are looking for that kind of clues you into the lack of alignment? Yeah. Um, uh, incoherence. Um, structural incoherence. So like, um, you know, uh, you, you, like Microsoft Teams uh, that we're, we've been using, right? Uh, at work, um, you've got, 
you've got sort of two sides to teams structurally. You've got a side that is the teams and the channels, and you've got another side that's chats, okay? But you really can't be in both worlds at the same time other than in your um, activity feed, which kind of mashes them together in a strange way that isn't as helpful as just being able to do them at the same time. Um, and then they've got this weird bleed over where, oh, you could have a chat, but it can kind of be like a channel if you just name it. And so the nature of the, the thing you're in, the place you're in is not clear, right? And so like you forget that, oh, I can't add a wiki to this chat that I named because it's not a channel. I can do these other things. It just goes on and on. So that's just one example, right? But like, um, so, so in a lot of, and, and back when I was in more consulting, um, I'm an internal again now, but back when I was in more consulting, it used to be that if I did a heuristic review of their website, I would, I would in my head think, oh, I bet this department and this department aren't talking. And then most of the time, that's exactly what was going on, you know? Um, so you can kind of see where the fault lines are uh, sometimes in the structure. Uh, now that you're internal, uh, does, uh, are those fault lines kind of as, as clear? Do you feel like you're too close to it? Or like, how does incoherence manifest itself these days? Yeah. Um, well, uh, gosh, actually, I have a great example that's very similar, but I can't talk about it because it's proprietary information. But, but, but in general, I can say the very similar issue we're running into with trying to have a SaaS platform-based product ecosystem right. that has the same, as much of the same UI as possible, right? Regardless of what domain we're trying to sell it into. Um, and, and of course that's resulting in trying to crowd too many things into some places and, and, and not being clear about how they connect with each other. Right. right. Um, and, but we're actually on top I mean, we're trying to actually chase those things down and fix them because we, we see them. So I actually get to have some input on that. And my, my brilliant person who, uh, actually does more of the IA work now that I'm managing mostly, um, is on top of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, and, and the more, you know, I think in a lot of places we see this because of digital transformation being kind of the, the thing everybody's been doing for the last 10 years, trying to consolidate more, trying to, um, you know, enterprise architecture kind of started coming more into its own, trying to just connect all the dots and enterprises. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's going in, on in my situation too, right? It's uh, things that used to be in silos, trying to bring them together. And then you're trying to, sometimes I joke that it's like, these people play for cheesy, these people play checkers, these people play like pinochle, and suddenly we're having to make them all into one game. Right. But, it, but, but nobody wants to lose their rule set. Right, right, right. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're good at those games. Yeah, and they worked really hard to get those pieces, so. Yeah, they, they worked hard on that. Yeah. What? Um... What about uh, the practice of, of IA still excites you? What about what, what sort of activities or tasks or methods or just uh, problem spaces do you find kind of you still uh, are still very compelling for you? I mean, all, all of it is, uh, although, you know, over the years I've, I've gotten, I've, uh, I've gotten different perspective on some of the methods. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, for example, um, like card sorting, you know, now I'm much more attuned to, okay, well, if you're car sorting cards, what you're actually testing is how people are going to sort cards. Um, labels 
decontextualized, right? Uh, but it's still useful information. But anyway, so some of the methods and stuff, but what, what, what really excites me though is pulling information architecture thinking uh, and framing um, into things like service design. Um, because I think service design actually, it, uh, uh, I think if you put those things together, it's much more than the sum of their parts. Um, if you can systematically figure out what are the what's across a service blueprint and, uh, you know, in terms of re repeatable definitional like ontology or taxonomy so that it, you can then apply that as a system across other things, you're really just, you're sort of doing enterprise architecture in a human-centered way, very deeply contextualized into actual like embodied interactions across, a, across time. Right, so uh, so it brings a rigor that makes service design very extensible, and I think like much more powerful. And I think service design is a nice way to to bring a concrete way of bringing in information architecture into uh, an engagement because it's very practical. Like when you're you know, well, somebody shows up at the store, what are they going to do with their hands? You know, those kinds of conversations. And then, well, what is that called? And then what's it connected to in the system? And then, you know, you really get more systematic that way. So I'm, I've been excited about that and some of the practices like, you know, ecosystem mapping and things like that. Just getting pretty much all the things that go beyond a website or an application, right? right? That, that it's like, what's the world that sits in and applying IA thinking to that. One of the, uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot now because I, uh, I feel like before I started this endeavor, I didn't really know what it was, what it was going to turn into, but it's slowly become trying to figure out what we mean when we say IA thinking. Uh, and that's a yeah. phrase that you've used now a couple of times. And in your mind, when you, when you say IA thinking, what is it, what does that mean to you? How would you define what, what it means to bring an IA mindset to a problem? Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually heard that phrase first in the IA conference in Orlando. Um, I think uh, Mayerholtz was bringing it up in his presentation and Kristen Crumlish, I think, kind of pivoted on that or mentioned it too. And I kind of thought, I like that. I like that as a sort of complement to uh, design thinking. So I think it shares a lot with design thinking um, because it's, it's probably depending on how you frame design thinking and we don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but to me, the IA piece of it is, uh, and, and, and it really just goes back to the way I've been defining IA a lot for the last few years is uh, it's about figuring out what, uh, what things are, uh, how they relate to one another and what kind of place are you making when you do that? Right. So um, just to boil it down to primitives, you know, it's like, let's not make assumptions about what the things are, which is what most people do most of the time. Um, let's really put pressure on that uh, and understand like, how do those things relate to one another or to other things outside of the thing that you're trying to make or do. And then, and then what is the result, right? It, it, it's just, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a no duh way to put it, but it seems to work. And, and, and the thing is, it's kind of a no duh thing that again, it's, it's uh people take it for granted that all that's already sorted out in some way sometimes, you know? And, and so to me that, that it's, it's, it's lifting the hood off. Uh, sometimes the way I put it is you put on x-ray specs, right? Like what's the skeleton underneath all this and where are the joints and why does the arm only move this way? What's the rule that says it can't go backwards? You know, should it go backwards? 
Um, so just getting into structure and what are the, what are the fundamentals underneath something? Uh, I love that. And I feel like it, uh, relates a bit to the lens, uh, that, um, was picked for you even long before I wrote the lenses. Um, uh, of course, um, you wrote a book on this, uh, topic. I probably, there's no doubt I did not do it justice in a single card, but I wonder if you could share the lens with us and maybe to the extent that you can do it, not in book form. Uh, tell us yeah, what that's it means fine. to you. Yeah. No, I get it. And that, and that, uh, I, I don't know that I did it justice in a 400 page book. So, so I don't see how you would put it so far. Um, but a context. Yeah. So, um, uh, just briefly, the reason, the thing that got me into that was from really 20 years ago or whatever, the obsession that, that was in my head around what is it that we're doing when we're architecting information? Like it's such an abstraction. What is, what's the material? What are we affecting in the world? Like what, what is our practice really about or our discipline? And, uh, and so um, how that manifests in most of what people think of as like UX work uh, tends to be around navigation, right? Um, but, but that's just, uh, navigation is just a way to say, um, uh, figuring out where I am and what things are and trying to do sense-making in an environment. Um, so, uh, the, what you've got here is great. I mean, it, your current location, where you can go, um, and things like that, that, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, but context is really about, you know, it, it gets back to actually the thing I said a minute ago, which is, um, uh, what are the, what is in my environment and what are the, and how do those things relate to one another and how do they relate to me? Right. So what kind of place am I in? What kind of object is that? Um, I see a, I see a thing that looks like a smart speaker on a countertop. What kind of thing is that? What, what is its nature? How do I interact with it? You know, it's not even a place per se, but it is affecting the place I'm in because it's another agent in, you know, uh, in, in my environment. So to me, context is just sort of the, the non, the non-reductionist way of talking about most of what we're trying to solve for with information architecture. Um, so let's talk about kind of this, the, the methods for kind of looking under the hood and really trying to understand that, right? That's, that's something that I, I feel like, I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but it, it comes naturally to some folks like that line of yeah. inquiry, right. Comes, comes more readily to some folks than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need those others. We need other people to come along that journey with us. Mm-hmm. How do you expose them? to, to IA thinking, or more importantly, maybe how do you, uh, bring them on that journey with you? Um, I don't know that I'm still very good at it, to be honest, but, uh, but I'll go back to, that's one thing that excited me that I mentioned service blueprinting earlier, right? That's just the first thing that comes to mind is like 10 years ago when I first sort of encountered service design, which was later than a lot of other people, um, and service blueprinting as a method, I, uh, it took me a while, but I finally realized, oh, this is a great way to get very concrete. It's kind of this Rosetta Stone way of c- connecting technology and, um, and operations and, um, and the, the customer experience. Um, but anyway, but in, in, it, it's a way to do that where people can imagine like, oh, I'm a person engaging this thing. I'm going on a train. I'm checking into a hotel, whatever it is, right? Um, 
And uh, people can imagine that people, if it's, it's concrete, they can relate to that, right? So if you can give somebody uh, a situational way of thinking through, okay, well, what is it that you, a person is doing with their bodies to get from A to Z? Um, th th they, can, they can imagine that. They can be there. They can be present in that. And then you incrementally start introducing abstraction, right? So it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm checking out at Starbucks. Well, there's, a, there's a, somebody standing at a register and a way for me to check out. Well, what system is that connected to? Okay, well, what is that called? Uh, and uh, what is it connected to, right? And well, I've also got this gift card, you know, at Starbucks, but I've also got a Starbucks app that has a balance on it. What are those things and how do they relate to one another? Oh, they're, they're actually different things, but they seem like they're the same thing in the moment to the user. You know what I mean? And then you're like, well, what, let's put pressure on it. What are those things? Right. And then before you know it, you're drawing blobs and connecting them on a whiteboard someplace, but you've got to, you've got to situate it in something that people can wrap their heads around, um, bringing somebody into showing them a diagram what what happens is we've done that work in our heads, mm. but it's not, but the journey we want to get to that diagram is not in the diagram. Right. So, uh, so it takes time and it takes some, you know, that coaxing, but, uh, but that's one way that I've found that it can work. Um, so let's bring context uh, into that. I mean, and it's weird yeah. because there's a, a, a little bit of a kind of um, uh parallax happening here right on the one hand i'm designing the context right i'm designing the thing yeah. to provide a context to the user as they are engaging in this service but on the other hand there is stuff outside the control of the person doing the design the ia work the service design work whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it there's the just the context in which this person is existing i'm mm -hmm. curious did you like these feel <clears> like uh they're both context, but they're both, but they're different from each other. The part that I can design yeah. and then the part that the user brings with them in a sense. Yeah. And so that part of the kind of a core theme in the book is uh, that we really don't, we can't control any of that entirely when we're making it. So um, what somebody brings into it uh, is, I mean, what they're perceiving, that the thing is, context is really just all the perception of the creature that's doing the perceiving and the acting. That's where it exists, um, is in that, you know, that experience cycle or that, that loop. Um, so all we can do, this is why user experience design, the core purpose of it is so important, which again, for me, for years, I've always thought of it not as I'm designing an experience, I'm designing something with an attunement to and, and as best understanding as I can get of the way a user experiences things, right? What their context is. Uh, and, and then doing my best to, uh, to create something that fits within and makes sense within their context. So I think at the heart of user experience design, it, we're already doing that. Right. That's the purpose of it. Unless you've kind of lost your way and you're just thinking that UX is just I'm just going to make some UIs and, and then find out what a user thinks after somehow, um, which is that's fine, too. But you get my point. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so, you know, we have to let go of being able to control everything about it 
I tell a little story in the book about being a little kid, like five or six, the first time I went to Disney World and my dad and I got on uh, Space Mountain, not realizing it was a roller coaster. Somehow we both just clued out to that and we got strapped in and that is not a gentle roller coaster and it is in the dark. <laughs> and, and I was not fully belted, I think. So it was, he was, we were both scared. It, it was exhilarating. It was fun, but we were both like, how, how did we get ourselves into that situation? I was a little, so I don't remember what all the signage said. And I'm sure we heard people screaming, but by the time you're in there and you're in a line, right. You're like, well, okay. So anyway, uh, but like that, that is an extremely enclosed designed, like there's almost no external context that can come into that place. And yet still we had a very different experience of it than I think that was intended, you know? So um, anyway, so yeah, so all we can, and the thing is it's gotten harder for us and what we do because we no longer have users who are like, I sit down at a computer in my computer room <laughs> or, you know, you know what I mean? Like now we're on these phones out in the middle of nowhere and, or anywhere. And, uh, and so the contextual challenges have definitely become much more substantial for us. That's, that, that's another reason I wrote the book is because I was like, hey, we need tools to unpack what, what, what environment is somebody in when they're trying to do the thing where this design intervention that we've put in front of them. So the intent of these lenses um, was to give uh, designers a set of tools for interrogating their own work, right? To mm. sort of say like, I'm working on this thing. There's some abstraction here. There's something that makes it kind of not as concrete or um, uh, just difficult to kind of really, really understand. So I need some kind of outside perspective. So the best mm -hmm. thing to do right now is pick up a card and use that to interrogate the design. Mm -hmm. I've been asking folks, how would you coach uh, or mentor someone uh, or, or provide advice to someone who might not be as experienced with information architecture uh, with this line of inquiry? Like, how would you coach someone who wants to sort of interrogate their own design work from the point of view of looking at it through the lens of context? What might you suggest that they do to kind of um, think through the implications of context uh, when they're looking at their own work? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, the best design methods that we have are, I, th I still think, the, the vehicle for this. Um, I, I think what, what I've tried to do is just introduce another, another, um, another framing or sort of a, or clarify a neighborhood of, of, uh, uh, of what it is that we're learning when we're doing those methods, what are we using them for? So, so to me, like, for example, a, a good ethnographic contextual inquiry work is essential. It's just more essential now than ever um, because there's so little that we can even assume, you know, about that user again, for some of the reasons I mentioned. Um, so, uh, uh, so doing good contextual inquiry means we're paying attention to lots of factors of their context and, uh, and, and then in a systematic and rigorous way, bringing that into the work and not just leaving that as sort of like, you know, dross, you know, where we just, oh yeah, well, there were these things going on around them, but that's not, we were just looking at the screen together, you know, now you need to think about like, uh, I mean, um, one thing I like, again, about service blueprinting, one thing you can bring into that is think, thinking very clearly about and being very honest about what is the value that the person on the, um, the, the service side of the, the line of interaction getting 
And what is the organization's value they're trying to get out of the interaction versus what the customer or user or whatever is trying to get out of the interaction, right? And be very honest about the fact that most of the value is going to be different. And then what are the motivations and the, and the complications and the things going on on each side of that line, you know? Um, so again, that's not a, an IA tool per se. It's not a context tool per se, but I think bringing that, that extra thinking into it um, helps to clarify even more, more aspects, more factors that maybe wouldn't be looked at otherwise. Again, ecosystem mapping, I think is really powerful, especially if you really get embodied with it and you think about not just the abstract idea of like, um, you know, your persona with the label of your persona, but like, no, I'm a, so let's say your persona is a developer who uh, is, works in a scrum team. All right, well, where do they sit? Uh, what are they interacting with? What, what are the things within their bodies reach, right? That, and then what are the things just outside of that? And then how do they impact those other things? You see what I mean? And all the way out to like the way that developers are incentivized in their organization, you know, or a customer service rep. So I, I think getting down to brass tacks and, and about what humans and bodies are doing and minds and personalities and feelings, what they're doing um, and how the parts of the environment around them are, are impinging on one another and, and kind of like a giant Calder mobile, you know, you move one part and it shifts the rest. Just thinking through those things, what IA brings to that is a, a systematic way of actually labeling and naming the, the things that might be otherwise kind of invisible and making them visible and thinking about how they function in that system. Um, so yeah, that, that, those are the ways that I feel like you can bring, bring some clarity to that. Andrew, that was fantastic. I think we will leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh yeah, this was great. Thanks. I hope we get to talk again real soon. <laughs>